We are so glad you've joined us today for our Tuesday broadcast of Abiding in the Word with Dave Love, Senior Pastor of Calvary Castle Rock. Today, we are continuing our study in the book of 1 Samuel. So let's listen in now to Pastor Dave. Soon your trials will be over. Good evening. Welcome to Wednesday night. For all those of you praying, my dad is doing much better. So I praise you and thank you for that. So thank you, thank you. We are doing something very interesting here tonight in the sense that I know we're about to start 2 Samuel, but in order to start 2 Samuel, we have to review again and go over 1 Samuel 30 and 31. One of the reasons why I need to redo 1 Samuel 30 and 31 is because when I went over it over a year and a half ago, a lot of things have happened in my life personally uh, with friends um, that has made me rethink a lot of things that we're going to go over here tonight when it comes to uh, suicide, uh, euthanasia, um, artificial life support, you know, things like that. Um, I've come to a different understanding through God's Word and some of the things that I've been through personally. So uh, I want to redo that. It, it, it seems natural as we're getting into Second Samuel anyway, uh, because there is a, a review of sorts of what happens in First Samuel chapter 31. So let's go over here to 1 Samuel, and we are going to start with uh, chapter 30 here. It's at this point in time in 1 Samuel chapter 30 that David and his army were kept back from fighting the, the Israel and being with the Philistines. Um, the Philistine lords would not allow David to fight with them, thinking that once he saw Israel, his allegiance, his old allegiance would kick in, and then he would start fighting against them. And so because of that, they, uh, they told him that he had to return to Ziklag, which is where he was staying at that time. Um, so in verse 1 of chapter 30 of 1 Samuel, it says, Now when it happened, when David and his men came to Ziklag, and so this is about a three, uh, about 50 miles away, they were in Aphek before, now he's heading back to Ziklag. Uh, and it says, When David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, and that the Amalekites had invaded the south, and Ziklag attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire. It's of note to where you see the third day there. You might want to underline that, you might want to highlight that. We're going to get back to that. So David comes back into his town, and he finds that it has been raided, been invaded by the Amalekites, is burned to fire. It says in verse 2, And taken captive the women, those who were there, from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but they carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city. There it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters have been taken captive. So apparently, with all uh, of the Philistines and Israel preparing for battle, and David and his men uh, moving north there to be able to fight against Israel with the Philistines. It was during that time the Amalekites saw that as being a perfect opportunity to be able to come and raid Ziklag, knowing that David is going to be preoccupied for many days. Uh, he's going to be fighting with the Philistines. Probably a couple days are going to go on in that battle. By the time he comes home, they're going to be long gone. They're going to be long gone. So, verse 4. Then David and the people were with him, lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, have been taken captive. 
Now, David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. Ah, it's just always great to be a leader. It's one of those things of what, what have you done for me lately, you know, kind of a things. And if lately something goes bad, they want to kill you. If lately something's been good, they want to celebrate you. And so here they are, and they want to stone him. And so because the soul of all the people were grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And that's always a great thing to always do. No matter what crisis comes your way, strengthen yourself in the Lord. So David here, in a sense, we see him coming to an end of himself. Uh, The Philistines don't want him. His family is gone. His town is gone. His own army is beginning to turn on him. He has nowhere else to go. Actually, he does have a place to go, and, and that's a place where he should have been at the beginning. He should have gone to the Lord from the very beginning. But he does go there, and so this is the beginning uh, of, of David truly seeking the Lord once again. Once everything is removed from him, it, it forces him to seek the Lord, and that's exactly what he does. And so this is the first mention of David going to the Lord, inquiring of the Lord since he has been in Philistine territory. And this is significant because David is a warrior. Uh, You might think it's a no-brainer that he needs to go after whoever did this because that's kind of his M.O., let's get these guys, but he doesn't. Instead, he goes to the Lord first. And so he wants to know God's plan. It's never too late to seek the Lord. And this is exactly what he does. And so in verse 7, it says, And David said to Abathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. Uh, and Abiathar thought the ephod, uh, brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered, said, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them. Without fail, recover all. Wow, that's a, that, not just go after him and you'll have victory, but go after him and understand you're going to recover everything. You're not going to lose a child. You're not going to lose a wife. You're not going to lose any person that's been taken captive, you're not going to lose any of the livestock. You're not going to lose any of the spoil. Not one trinket is going to fall to the sand and be lost. Wow. You're going to recover all. Now, I don't know about you, but that would give me great confidence in going after these guys. In going after these guys. So, in verse 9, so David went. He and the 600 men who were with him came to the brook Bezor, where those stayed who were left behind. But David pursued he and 400 men, for 200 stayed behind who were so weary that they could not cross the brook Bezor. So they had just traveled 50 miles from Aphek, uh, where they were going to fight with the Philistines. So that had to take a long time. They're exhausted from that. They find out at that point that everything is gone. They're upset about it, and now they start to go in pursuit, and by the time they get to the brook Bezor, which is about 20 miles from Ziglag, they're just a third of his army. that They're exhausted. They just cannot go any further. And so what does David do? He doesn't push them, but instead he says, okay, why don't you stay behind, watch the supplies. It'll lighten the load for the rest of us to pursue. Um, and, and so this is what he does. In contrast, you might remember... What Saul did back in 1 Samuel 14, what did Saul uh, Saul do? Despite their hunger and exhaustion, he says, no one is to eat anything until the victory is in hand. And so meanwhile, his men are exhausted. 
and he puts even a greater burden on them. But not so David. He recognizes what's going on. He gives them mercy and says, why don't you guys stay behind? Watch the supplies. Um, that means we don't have to take the other supplies. We could just make base here and go after him a whole lot quicker. And so you guys just stay behind and do that. So that's what he does. And then it says in verse 11, Then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David. They gave him bread and he ate and they let him drink water. I do believe we're beginning to see a little bit how different David is. You know, they nurse this guy back to health. Um, they don't threaten him or anything like that. Um, instead, it says, and they gave him a piece of cake of figs, two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him, for he had eaten no bread nor drunk wine for three days and three nights. So far, I again want you to see the reference here of third day. Okay? Third day here. And we'll get back to that. First Samuel 30, verse 13, Then David said to him, To whom do you belong? Where are you from? He said, I'm a young man from Egypt, servant of Amalekite. And my master left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. So as now they find out he's an Egyptian. His master is Amalekite, obviously one of the ones on the raid. And so he asks them about this raid. And he says, we made an invasion of the southern area of the Carathites in the territory which belonged to Judah in the southern area of Caleb. And we burned Ziglag with fire. So now he finds out he was with them during the raid to Ziglag. And David said to him, can you take me down to this troop? So he said, swear to me by God that you'll neither kill me nor deliver me in the hands of my master and I'll take you down to this troop. So David asked this man to lead him to their campsite. The guy's willing to do it. He's just asking him, are you going to kill me? And if you swear you're not going to kill me or hand me back to my master, which would probably be worse after bringing him there, he says, no, we won't do that. And instead, we'll nurse you back to health. And if you just take us there, everything will be well with you. Verse 16, and when he had brought him down there, they were spread out over all the land, eating, drinking, dancing, because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. So just so you get this, they didn't just raid Ziklag. They also raided in the area of the land of the Philistines there. And so they have uh, even more spoil with them than just what they took from Ziklag. Okay. And they're sitting there, they're dancing around. The word Hebrew word here for dance is, is uh, kagag, and it means to move in a circle, uh, means to march in a sacred procession, to observe a festival. So no doubt what is happening here is they're celebrating their, and having this festival to some sort of foreign god. And they're dancing in worship to this god, and drinking is involved. And so David's going to wait until morning to attack when they're hungover for the most part. And then it says in verse 17, Then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. To be able to say that none of them escaped except for these 400, how many did they kill? <laughs> you know, because you can't really say there were 800 of them. There's only 400 of them because 200 of them they left back to watch the supplies. So 400 guys route what, 800 guys to which 400 escape? Then you couldn't really say there that not a man of them escaped except for 400 because that'd be half of them. So you're talking a few thousand at least that these 400 route if only 400 escape. So find it very interesting. And those are the ones who escape are rode by camel. 
So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away and rescued his two wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons of daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. Now, it doesn't mention it here, but if they went raiding in other places, there had to be more spoil there. Okay? And so they, were, uh, they, they raided where the Carathites were in the area of the Philistines there. And then they also raided there in Ziklag. So what that tells me is that David is going to come back with more than he lost. Because he's going to bring it all back. And that's so God to give you more than you ever can even ask or think. Right? And it says in verse 20, Then David took all the flocks and the herds that they had driven before those other livestock and said, This is David's spoil. So there's other livestock. There's other spoil there because of they raided in the other areas. Now David came to the 200 men who had been so weary that they could not follow David, whom they had also made to stay at the brook Bezer. So they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, Because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered except for every man's wife and children, they may lead them away and depart. But David said, my brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us, who has preserved us and delivered into our hand the truth that came against us. I love the fact that David, as he's leading this group of men, there are still wicked and worthless men that are with him. The wicked and the worthless. The attitude. This word worthless is the word belial which means evil. It has the connotation of being the son of a devil. And notice the attitude of those who are wicked and worthless. We have recovered. It's that attitude of wickedness where you don't see the Lord's hand in things, where you think that somehow you did it on your own. That pride factor. We have recovered. We have received. Look what we have done. Wow, pride. That's what makes you wicked. That's what makes you worthless. You don't even see God's hand in it. You don't even see God's hand in it. I think that is a definition of wickedness, when you don't see God, when you can't see God. But David's attitude, he recognized the Lord gave them the victory. My brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us. Notice he says that, the Lord. We didn't do this, the Lord did this. These men only wanted to give them back their wives and children and the spoil they wanted to withhold. Why? most likely they were thinking more for themselves. And they wanted to penalize them for not going with them. David instead here declares an important principle. The supply lines, do you not understand what they were able to do helped us be able to get to them a whole lot sooner? Because they watched the supplies, we didn't have to take the supplies with us. We were able to run a whole lot faster. And he's given us an important principle here. The supply lines are just as vital as the soldiers are. God were both both the soldiers and supporters of that campaign properly. And I think about that here. I think about that in the kingdom of God. 
how often you have people in the forefront, how often you have people that you would think is fighting the battle for the Lord Jesus Christ to advance the kingdom of God. But then you have people that are held back. You have people that are watching the supplies, that are praying for the campaign. They're praying for this endeavor. They're able to do all the other things to allow you to be able to run and do what God has called you to do. And you know what? They are going to get rewarded just like you. And I love that. I absolutely love that. If you haven't gotten the, the teaching of the, uh, 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 of the talents that God gives and the minus that God gives um, that I've taught on, I really encourage you to get that because uh, the talents speak of uh, gifts that are given to you because of your abilities. The gifts that are given aren't abilities, but because of the natural abilities you're given, guess what? You're given certain talents. And as you use those talents faithfully, whether you have uh, one, two, or three given to you, guess what? So long as you use them, you're going to get the same reward. But the minus speak of opportunities, and not everybody is going to get the same opportunities. But if you make use of the opportunities God brings you to advance the kingdom of God, then great is your reward going to be. And those rewards are different because those who make use of the opportunities that come their way in a more frequent manner are going to get more rewards. So because Billy Graham has been given that gift and opportunity to preach the gospel to millions at a crusade streaming live, and you've been given the opportunity to be a light and a witness to your neighbor so long as you both make due of that opportunity then you're both going to get a reward. But whoever uses their opportunities the most are going to get the most rewards. Big difference. And so David is showing us here, guess what? So long as you take the opportunity in front of you, so long as you're watching the supplies, doing what you're being called, you'll you'll get the same reward as those who are doing what God is calling them to do in the forefront. And I love that about God. Because I got to tell you something, not everybody's been called to do the same thing. They just haven't. I've never even been given the opportunity to be able to preach at a crusade. But that's not what God's called me to do. That's not what he's called me to do. But so long as I do what God has called me to do, great will my reward be. Amen? Same here. Same here. I guess you don't need to get that now because I just taught it to you. But anyway, going back here to verse 24, as I quickly get my water, there we go. For who will heed you in this matter? But as this part is who goes down to the battle, so shall his part be who stays by the supplies. They shall share alike. So it was from that day forward, he made it a statue and an ordinance for Israel to this day. Now, when David came to Ziglag, he sent some of the spoil to the elders of Judah to his friends saying, here's a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord to those who were in Bethel, those who were in Ramoth, south, those who were in Jatir, those who were in Ar, those who were in Sifmoth, those who were in Eshtemoah, those who were in Rachel, and those who were in the cities of the Jeremelites, and those who were in the cities of the Kenites, and those who were in Hormah, and those who were in Korashan, and those who were in Athash, and those who were in Hebron and the places where David himself and his men were accustomed to rove. Now, interesting area of Scripture 
by some of the things that was mentioned all through this account. You see the the third day keeps, keeps being pointed out in verse 1. Now, it happened when David and his men came to Ziglah on the third day. You'll read in verse 13 that um, I'm a young man from Egypt, servant of Amalekite, and my master left me behind three days ago. I fell sick. You'll also see here in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 1, uh, verse 2, on the third day, behold, it happened that a man came from Saul's camp with his clothes torn and dust on his head. You have third day, third day, third day, third day. What on earth? Why the third day? Why not the second day? Why not the tenth day? Why is this being said over and over again? Well, I believe it has a lot to do. I think it points of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 15, 3, Paul says this, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures that he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And so it points to that, that that the resurrection took place on the third day. And Paul's point of Jesus rising on the third day becomes more clear when we look at some of the scriptures that speak of the third day. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 11, I'll read this account to you. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, the first tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. What day was that? The third day. The reason why I bring this up? is because this is the first time we see that life comes from the ground. Life comes from the ground. Genesis 22, verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Said to him, Abraham, he said, here I am. And he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah, offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning saddled his donkey, took his young men with him, Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering, arose, went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abram lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. I would submit to you that in the eyes of Abraham, Isaac had been dead for three days, knowing that he was going to have to sacrifice him. And on that third day is when God stopped him, thus giving him his son to him again, thus showing him life again. On Mount Sinai, God came to Israel on the third day to bring them new life with his covenant of Moses. This third day symbolized a transition from the old to new. So when God spoke to him from Mount Sinai, that was on the third day. Here in 1 Samuel 30, verse 1, as well as in verse 8, David arrives at Ziklag on the third day when everything looked dead, yet now he's given new life because it was on that same day that God told him what? Go, you'll recover all that you have lost. Life, new life on the third day. In Second Samuel, um, in, in 1 Samuel 30, verse 13, the Egyptian has been sick without food for three days. Then a new master comes, David, and this Egyptian, this Gentile, is given new life. And then what we're going to see here in 2 Samuel here in a moment, that David is going to be in Ziglag for three days when he gets word that Saul is dead. The old is now passed with the death of Saul and new life with David begins. That third day analogy all through the word of God, we see it time and time again, speaks of newness 
of life, going from the old to the new. And we see it all through the account here of 1 Samuel. Never can the bowels of That completes this Tuesday edition of Abiding in the Word with Pastor Dave Love. Join us Wednesday as we continue our study in 1 Samuel. If you live in the area of Castle Rock and are looking for a church to call home, be sure to come by and visit with us. We meet Saturdays at 5 p.m. and our Sunday service times are at 9 and 11 a.m. A combined junior and senior high class meets at 5 p.m. on Saturday evenings, On Sunday mornings, high school meets during the 9 a.m. service and the junior high meets at the 11 a.m. service. Our Young Adults Ministry, Arise, meets every Friday at 6.30 p.m. at Calvary Castle Rock. Child care is offered for all of our weekend services. Calvary Castle Rock is located right off of I-25 and East Wolfensburger Road, directly behind Jack in the Box and the Shell Gas Station. For more information about us or this radio ministry, please visit our website at calvarycr.com or download our free mobile app from the Apple App Store or Google Play. You can also call the church office at 303-663-2514. We are so blessed you've joined us today. Until our next time together, we want to encourage you to always be abiding in the Word of God.